What's going on, everybody? Episode number 39 of Trail Tales. That is what you're listening to. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peak bagger. And every single week, I have on another hiker, whether it's someone who has thru-hiked the Appalachian Trail, someone who has done some crazy peak bagging project, or someone who has thru-hiked a shorter trail like today's guest. Well, he's also thru-hiked the Appalachian Trail, but that's not what we talk about. Anyways... That is what we do every single week here on Trail Tales. If that sounds like something you're interested in and you have not done so already, I encourage you to not only hit the subscribe button, but make sure you smash it. I am a creator of content, so I have to use the cringy, like, smash the subscribe thing. Anyways, yeah, please subscribe to the show. That would be cool, especially if you like what you hear, obviously. Now, let's get into what the hell this episode's actually about. Aaron Ivey is back on the show for round two. He recently got back from thru-hiking this trail in the northern part of New Hampshire called the Cohas Trail. I think that's, that's how it's pronounced, and as some of you that have listened to past episodes know, it's a tough trail to pronounce, okay? And as we discover early on here, nobody nobody knows how the fuck you're supposed to pronounce this trail. Um, <laughs> but what you are going to know by the end of this episode is how to thru-hike it, and you're also going to know about some of the cool experiences that Aaron had when he thru-hiked it. I had a lot of fun with this one. It's about time I did a dedicated episode on this trail, and I think it came out great. Aaron, dude, when you hear this, thank you for taking the time not only once, but twice to come on Trail Tales. It's much appreciated. Don't hit that skip button. I know that's what you're about to do. Don't do it. Don't do it. I see you reaching for it. Don't do it. I got to say a couple things, a couple very important things before we get into the episode. I promise I will make it quick. The first thing, I got to plug my contact information. I mean, come on, people. It's a podcast introduction. That's that's what we do. Um, Instagram, at Trail Tales Pod. Go follow me on Instagram. Email. I have an email, folks. I reply to every single message that I get, which is not very difficult because I don't really get that many. So send me an email, send me a guest suggestion or a trail suggestion. Um, When people do email me, I've gotten some great suggestions out of that. So that would be really, really cool as well. Facebook, Facebook is still alive and well, even though I don't really like to use it that much. Um, Go look up Trail Tales on Facebook. Why the hell not? I'm also building a website and have been for the past month and that'll be around soon, but it's a lot of work. So look for that. Um, (laughs) Anyways, second thing that I got to say here, iTunes reviews. So as some of you know, I love the iTunes reviews. Five star iTunes reviews really, really help the show. It helps us rank higher. It helps give me some much needed credibility. (laughs) So yeah, please leave an iTunes review when you do and you write a little message, a five-star review, mind you. I will read it at some point during the introduction to an episode, and I am way behind on these right now, so I am going to read a couple. Not all of them. I'm going to spread them out over a couple episodes to make that easier, but yeah, let's, let's read a couple right now. Okay, this one says, Keep them coming. Trail Tales has quickly became my favorite podcast ever since I read a book about the AT, Good Dog, Bad Mountain. I've never heard of that book before. I've been obsessed. Unfortunately, I am a farm girl and have way too much livestock and responsibilities to take care of. 
to get out on any long trails anytime soon, but listening to all these episodes while I am working or driving keeps the dream alive. Someday, you do a great job with the show. That is a very unique review. I'm very thankful for it. That is awesome. This next one says, got my attention, been listening for several weeks now, and appreciate the coverage of topics. Definitely need some CT discussion. Keep up the thing, like (laughs) F-I-N-G. Good work. (laughs) So, CT discussion. I don't know if they're referring... um, They're probably referring to the Colorado Trail, but I'm not positive. Maybe they're referring to the Cohas Trail. And if they are, they are in luck, because that's what this episode is all about. Guys, I love the iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. Make it difficult for me to stay up to date on these like it has been so far. I would really appreciate that. The last thing I'm going to say before we get into the episode here is... I'd really like to ask for your help raising money for 46 Climbs. Now, this is an organization that was co-founded by a good friend of mine named Colby Zemendorf, and what it is is a fundraiser for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Now, how this works is you're going to go to 46climbs.com, and you're going to register under the Trail Tales team. Now, during the week of August 30th, through September 8th, you're going to pick a mountain, and I want to be clear, any mountain in any place. This is not just limited to the Adirondacks where this organization kind of came out of. Any mountain, any place, and during that week, you're going to go climb it. Now, when you register, you're going to receive a shirt and some other goodies, and you're going to wear that shirt on your hike, and we're going to take a very, very negative thing, and we're going to turn it into something active and something positive. This is a great organization, guys. Not going to lie, I've been a little bit disappointed. I was hoping I could raise some more money, and, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for what I have raised so far, but, you know, I feel like I feel like some more people can step up, or at least consider it, please. Go check out the website, 46climbs.com. If you do decide to register, make sure you sign up under the Trail Tales team so we can kind of pool our money together. If you don't like to type things into a search bar, you can also just click the link that's in the show notes. That'll take you right to the Trail Tales page. And uh, yeah, just please consider it, guys. I got a couple more weeks to, to raise this money. I got until the end of the month, and I would really, really appreciate that. All right, that's it. No more plugs. Let's do it. Let's get into the episode. Aaron Ivy, round two. Kohas Trail, or however you say it, (laughs) CT, (laughs) class of 2019. Alright, here we go, episode 39 of Trail Tales. Aaron Ivey is back on the show for round two. I've been having a lot of repeat guests on lately, which is pretty cool because as people do new stuff i get to kind of talk to them again and catch up a little bit aaron what's going on man thank you so much for taking the time what's up yeah you're welcome thanks for having me on again for sure we are going to be talking about the kohas trail today yeah as a lot of my listeners know i have a hard time pronouncing this 
this trail name. And I feel like after the quick conversation Aaron and I had before we started recording here, I'm not the only one. So Aaron, do you yeah. actually, <laughs> as someone who has now hiked this trail, like, do you actually know how the fuck you're supposed to pronounce it? No, I still don't. And I just call it the Cohos Trail. Um, I've heard Cohos, I've heard Cohos, I've heard Cohos. I've, <laughs> I've heard everything, even to the point to where there's like a Facebook group on, on fa- obviously on Facebook, but about, you know, uh, the Cohos Trail. And um, we we even posted one day while we were hiking, we we're like, how do you pronounce the name of this trail? Because <laughs> we went, yeah, and we got just a fighting, a bunch of people fighting in the comments of oh, how to no say way, it. Oh, no way, really? I might have to look this up. <laughs> My listeners know I love the Facebookers too. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't super aggressive, but everybody had their own little way of of saying it. So we were just saying co-hosts, co-hosts, you know. Okay, okay. I don't. I would. I would assume that's how you're supposed to say it. But then there's like the people that live in in the county of Co Coos in New Hampshire, which like the real deep woods New Englanders, and they have a you know they have their own language. It oh, seems yeah. like up there. So they have their own little twist on it as well. And that's where we like first got corrected was um, <laughs> from like a local. We're like, yeah, we're hiking the Cohos Trail. And he, he was like, you mean Kuhos? And I was like, is that oh. how you say it? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, I feel like I, that makes me feel a little bit better because I feel like there isn't an official pronunciation or maybe you were both missing something here, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, naturally, like like Coos or like Kos. Like was yeah. like what I wanted to say, but then I've had a couple people on this show actually um, tell me that it's like Kohas, so that's kind of what I'm yeah. used to saying now. So I think I think I'm gonna go with that. But shit, like who actually yeah. knows? Let's just call it Kohos, Kohas. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what we were saying. It. It's yeah. It's like it's, you can call it whatever you want, man. It's a uh, it's a sweet trail overall. For sure, for sure. We're gonna find out all about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the Kohas Trail or whatever it is, um, that's what we're gonna talk to talk about today. Like I just said, uh, so Aaron like just finished hiking this trail. When when did you like actually finish? Like we when finished did you the we finished the sixteenth of July. So not even a month ago. Yeah, not even a month ago. Um, started on the on the sixth. Uh, I flew into Boston on the fifth and got right on trail and uh yeah finish the uh actually finish the 15th now i think about it okay cool yeah because i had a i had a full day off before uh, i got picked up by my parents at the end so yeah um finished the 15th and uh started the the sixth yeah it was sweet it was a little over 200 miles um over over 200 i thought it was a little yes yeah so it's the official mileage is like 175 but we actually ended up doing an alternate route on it. Um, we ended up, so once you get to Jefferson on the trail, which is like right after the Kilkenny, um, and you're right by the whites and the presidentials, the trail actually like bypasses the whites, um, skips all the presidentials and then drops in right at the, um, at the dry river um trail so it mm-hmm. like goes over eisenhower and then straight down into the woods again so we we're like screw that that's <laughs> hike that's let's do the presidential traverse so instead of like going around this like 
in this random like flat part of the trail where there's like no real climbs or anything um we ended up wanting to go over the presidential traverse and like finish that way okay um, cool so we did a we did a little bit alternate route but yeah after everything with like all the side trails we did it was a ride around 200 and uh it was an amazing trail man everybody that i've talked to that has done like all or part of this trail says it's freaking awesome i've had a couple guests on who have done it and i remember in some of those episodes i was like oh i'm gonna do like a proper like dedicated episode to this trail someday and here i am i'm glad we're finally getting around to it Dude, um I'm I, I could be the one talking about it i did talk about it a little bit with one of my guests named alton eckel and mm-hmm. i think we probably only spent like 10 minutes or so so like people probably got a little bit of an idea of what this trail is exactly then but in case somebody listening to this has not heard that um why don't you just i know you just kind of got into it a little bit but why don't you just give like the overall like explanation of what this trail is kind of where it starts and where it ends and like just the the like the first sentence on wikipedia if you were reading like the wikipedia page for this trail. yeah so uh the coast trail is roughly 175 miles um it starts um it starts at the New Hampshire Canadian border, just north of Pittsburgh, New Hampshire, um, literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I've looked on like Google Maps up there before and like <laughs> it's you're literally in the middle of nowhere um, and you start um, right at the border, right at a uh, at fourth Connecticut lakes. Um, there's four Connecticut lakes uh, <laughs> in the northern uh, like tip of New, New Hampshire that uh, you walk through and. Uh, Starts all the way up there and goes all the way down to uh, to Davis Path, where it uh, finishes uh, in Crawford Notch. Um, that's the official ending point, but we ended a little a, a little bit down the road at Webster Cliffs on the AT. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean yeah. you're you're still pretty damn close there to Crawford Notch. Exactly, exactly. We wanted to kind of make our own route, and that's why we we did a little bit different. Um, we we just took another route instead of the low route that the Coast Trail normally takes. Yeah, might as well. I mean, I know you you've done the AT, so you had probably already hiked there th- uh, through the presidential section. That is, yeah. but like, I feel like especially for someone who maybe hasn't done that, that would oh, be yeah. a pretty epic way to end the hike. On exactly. the on the reverse, because I guess it sounds like you guys hiked southbound. I feel like, and I, I maybe I shouldn't feel like this because I've never done this trail. I don't know what. What do you think? If you started and like did the presidentials and then kind of migrated over to the like the proper Kuhos Trail from there on, do you think that would kind of like you know just like ruin it being so epic at the start versus like having that at the end? Or I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, for me it was really cool like walking into the White Mountains because you start off and I mean you're at pretty low elevation. Um, you know, up and up at the Canadian border and like you walk into the Kilkenny range, like maybe your second or third day in and, or actually like fourth day in really. Um, and it's just extremely, you know, dramatic, um, going southbound in my opinion, I wouldn't want to go northbound. Uh, just, that's just my personal opinion mm-hmm. because it, the ending, if you end at the Canadian border, it's like the middle of nowhere and like it's nothing crazy um 
there's no like cool clear cut line like on the long trail or anything like that where yeah um you can actually see like the dividing line through canada and the u.s um it's just basically like a road with a customs building there and that's it oh so um, it actually ends like on a road it doesn't kind of end in the woods yeah it kind of it ends right on a on the road right by a parking lot um where you can park your car like right before the customs building interesting um, that must be kind of yeah. weird for like the people that work in that custom station just like in the middle of nowhere but they're used to seeing these like grungy ass hikers come yeah like and that. the weird thing is you have to like walk around and walk behind the customs building like in between the canadian customs and u.s customs and it's super strange. Oh, like, really? Just, That's like, kind of sketchy. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like when we started off, um, like we were crossing the road and it kind of goes up this little grassy hill um, up to the tree line. And like we were about to get in the tree line. And I guess some like somebody that was coming in from Canada came in a little too fast on the uh, end of the U.S. Customs building. And the dude on the intercom was like, get back. And I thought he I thought he was like yelling at us. And I freaked out. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I turned around and I ended up it was it was he was just yelling at this car that was like flooring it into this car. Oh, that's so sketchy though. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell? And uh so yeah. That was a great way to start the hike. So uh just get a little bit of uh the shit scared out of you. Damn, damn. I mean I, I obviously I'm sure they're like used to people coming through there, like the hiker the hikers that is, but like damn. Yeah. Yeah, there's signs that say like hiker trail this way and like they definitely see a good amount of people walking through there um but yeah it was just really it was really strange it wasn't just like a monument in the middle of the woods or yeah. something like that yeah i mean yeah. especially coming from the long trail which really isn't that far away from no, uh, like the two terminuses the northern terminus of the long trail and the southern or the northern terminus of the Co cohas trail um <laughs> they're not very far apart like distance wise so i guess that there's is kinda... actually there, there's actually a trail that connects both of those northern termin Wait, terminuses for real like yeah and you can make like a whole loop out of it no way i've never heard of that before that's yeah sweet. yeah i don't i don't know if i've only talked to one person that was thinking about like connecting the loop but that loop would be sweet to do um i don't know exactly the mileage on it or anything um or even what it's called but um yeah supposedly there is a trail that connects um both terms it's gonna be a lot together. of like road walking probably I'm yeah assuming. yeah it's it's not a super probably a super defined path um most of the cohost really isn't um really i was i was gonna ask you about that actually uh yeah so a lot of it's you're walking on snowmobile path or four-wheel or like four-wheeler trails or anything like that um there is a good a good amount that you're on like specific foot foot traffic only um but there's a lot a lot of like you're walking through snowmobile corridors and um like four by four you know uh corridors as well yeah um, yeah that's what um that's what alton had said when yeah. we had talked about it a little bit too, she said there was a lot of snowmobile paths and like ATV paths and stuff like that. Yeah, which the snowmobile paths weren't too bad. It was, you know, like a trail, but just super, super wide and open mm -hmm. um, and a little bit, you know, more graded. Uh, but it was super overgrown. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So we were bushwhacking pretty much, I want to say at least 
85% of the time when we were on the actual Cohos trail. Um, and like a couple weeks later, um, we saw that there was like maintenance crews going through all those areas and uh, like, of course. you know, <laughs> cleaning it up. And we're like, of course, you know, the week after we finished, you guys are out there, uh, doing work. But I mean, that's awesome. There's, there's actually a community out there that, you know, uh, supports and like maintains it because I'm pretty sure it's all volunteer based. Yeah. No, it's not part of like the national park system, like the AT and the other like three long distance trails. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's real cool. But yeah, it was a lot of bushwhacking and, uh, there was almost every single day we got lost, um, and had oh, to turn around really? at some point. Yeah. Cause how, the blazing. Okay. Yeah. That, that's literally exactly what I was about to ask. That I was like, how, like how well like marked or blazed, like signed is it? Um, so it's blazed with, you know, yellow blazes, um, that are just like the, Oh, so you yellow blazed it. So yeah, it pretty so much. Does, so it doesn't count, is what you're saying. <laughs> doesn't even count. Doesn't even fuck count. <laughs> go, go change the color, Kuhos. Yeah. Trail. So it's all <laughs> yellow blazed, um, and the parts where you think like it would be really easy for maintainers to get out and blaze it, it wasn't blazed at all. Like you'd get on dirt roads and it wouldn't be blazed for like 300, 400 yards. Ooh. Um, and so sometimes you're walking on these dirt paths and there's like a bunch of intersections and um, you kind of look at the map and you're like, all right, I think we go this way. And um, there's a few times where like the blazes were just completely covered up by by trees or bushes. Uh, and we walked, yeah. we walked right past them and we were like, I don't think we're on the trail anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd have to turn around and backtrack like a quarter to half a mile. That's always pretty frustrating. Um, was that yeah. mostly in sections where it's like kind of obvious where you're supposed to go? Uh, I guess a better um, way to phrase that would be um, were most of the intersections like at least marked decently or what was that like? Uh, not really, no. Um, when you were in the woods actually following like a little footpath, it was blazed really well. Like when you were in the middle of the woods, mm -hmm. you know, climbing up, climbing up and down and um, but when you got onto like the snowmobile, um, corridors and like the long logging road, uh, you know, road walks, um, it wasn't blazed that well. Um, especially on the road walks for some reason, we always got mixed up on those. Um, and you would think that would be like the easiest thing. You definitely couldn't right. get lost, <laughs> but you would just like all of a sudden, like the trail would just dip off sharp hairpin <laughs> left to the into the woods through this little tiny opening that you would not even know if you weren't like really really looking for it yeah. um but yeah um that was my main concern like on this trail was i heard that route finding was a little difficult um and that you really have to be alert obviously there's no there's no gut hooks for it so you can't just like follow a gps yeah and see exactly where you're at you have to use like a data book and um an actual like fold out map but besides that like everything else was great the water was great but yeah the blazing and and route finding was you definitely had to keep your eye out you couldn't just like keep yeah. looking at your feet and walk through the green tunnel because you know the blazes weren't every 20 50, 20, 50 yards of space you know yeah it makes sense <laughs> they were spaced 200 <laughs> 400 yards away interesting that's 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 tough because um 
when you first said and and going back to Alton's episode when she said that a lot of the trail is on these snowmobile uh, ATV kind of pass logging roads you know I think people you know just the wider trail that's not just a hiking trail um, I initially got kind of excited because I actually really like hiking on that stuff especially on yeah. like a through hike because you can kind of just cruise, right? Like there's oh, not yeah. much getting yeah. in your way. But now you're saying that parts of it were kind of overgrown. And I know like it's going to depend on the cycle of maintenance, obviously, and, you know, when yeah. the last time people were out there. But um, I don't know. That's that's kind of interesting to kind of relate this back to the Foothills Trail a little bit. So for everybody listening, Aaron and I talked uh, quite a bit about the Foothills Trail in our first episode. I was kind of gearing up to go do that and I have since done it. And I remember a good, like, I want to say at least like quarter of the Foothills Trail, maybe even more, was actually on like logging roads and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I initially thought of when you were talking about, you know, the, the snowmobile pass and stuff on the Kohas Trail. But it sounds like not quite as smooth, I guess, as the ones on the Foothills Trail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you end up liking the Foothills Trail? Dude, was it, it sweet? was it was freaking awesome. Uh, me and I hiked it with my friend Flossie, and at, like a couple days after we got back, we like recorded an, an entire episode about it, and I definitely hyped it up a lot. And I think it's absolutely one hundred percent worth all that uh, all that hype because. We also got, like, perfect weather the entire time, too. Like, honestly, I remember I had asked you a little bit about, like, the temperatures and stuff in our in our conversation before. And, oh, dude, it was so fucking perfect. It was, like, I don't even, like, I, I don't even, like, know what else to say. Like, everything that could have went right, like, went right. Like, it was it was an amazing yeah. trail, for sure. That's sweet, dude. That's exactly how it was on the Co-Oz Trail. We had a... <clears throat> we had... <laughs> literally the first hour of uh hiking it torrential downpoured on us (laughs) for the first five miles and we were on like a big open logging road and we had no tree cover and we were just like (laughs) screw it man we can't we can't beat being back out on another trail you know hiking and it was kind of uh our way of thinking we were being like uh almost baptized to be coming into the woods again <laughs> that's a good way to that's <laughs> yeah, a good way so to look at it it was washing all the uh washing all the city the city life off of me so um yeah that was the only rain we got it rained one other night but yeah that was the only day we had to walk in the rain which wasn't really honestly that bad it was warm so it wasn't too bad nice nice um how many like how many like through hikes like this have you done? I I meant to do this at the beginning of the episode, like a, a good podcaster would like give the guest introduction, but we kind of just <laughs> got right into the co-host trail talk, which is which is fine. Um, but why don't you just give people a brief like introduction to who you are in case they didn't um yeah, yeah. hear our first episode? You know, like what you've hiked and all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm a uh, I'm a photographer that mainly focuses heavily on on through hiking. And the community around through hiking. Um, I've through hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2016. Um, I did. Um, I attempted the Long Trail in 2017, um, and then I've done the Foothills Trail um, in 2018, and then this trail this year, mm-hmm. um, the Coas. Um, so I've been super interested recently in like the smaller, unknown trails. Um, and just seeing kind of what's off the beaten path, you know, you see a lot, you know, um, of the AT and PCT and, um, 
I mean, you see a, a good amount of the CDT as well, but I, I like those really small unknown trails that, you know, less than, you know, 100 people or so have, you know, through hiked or whatever, um, just to see something different. Um, why why did you end up choosing the Kohas Trail this time around? Because, uh, you know, kind of like you just alluded to there, like there are like so many of these smaller trails and I've been kind of yeah. trying to learn about them. Uh, through various episodes of Trail Tales, but, you know, there's obviously, like, uh, I'm just trying to think of more, like, just in the New England area, you have, like, the Mid-State Trail in yeah. Massachusetts. Um, I think there's a, also a Mid-State Trail in Pennsylvania, now that I mention it. There is. Um, there is. There's the uh, the North-South Trail in Rhode Island. Uh, what's the, the one? The New England in, Trail. Yeah, the, the New, New England, England Trail. Trail. There's the uh, Monadnock, Sunapee, the Greenway Trail in New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire, um, so I don't know. Yeah. Why, why out of like all these different options and that, and that's just like the Northeast, like new England, obviously these trails are all over the freaking country, dude. Even Arkansas, yeah. Arkansas yeah, has exactly. a freaking trail. Like it's crazy. Um, yeah. let me ask my question. Why, <laughs> before I get too going here. Yeah. Why, why the Cohas trail this time around? Um, I'm just, honestly, I, I love new, new Hampshire. Um, and the buddy that I hiked it with Eric, um, or styles is his trail name. Um, him and I, uh, he lives right in Mass, and uh, we wanted to hike something together, and he had already done the long trail, and I really didn't want to, you know, go for the long trail again. I want to do that another time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do something a little different, and the Coos Trail was just perfect sounding, you know, um, you know, fairly easy. It wasn't going to, you know, completely kill me, um, <laughs> but it was de- it was definitely more challenging than i thought it was going to be but um i just have never heard about it so i was like i'm immediately attracted to this trail because it was so unknown and you literally go to look up pictures of it and there's like nothing you go on youtube (laughs) to find a youtube video to see if there's somebody that's hiked it and there's like really not that great videos of people that have done it yeah dude i've done the same thing i've tried to look up videos and there's a couple but like like, not not very many let's just say darwin and dixie have not made it out to the coho australia (laughs) (laughs) not at all not at all um yeah so it was just super unknown there was like one blog i wrote read about it and you know it, it had a lot of good detail but it was just not nobody knows about it there wasn't anybody that had like photographed the hell out of it and i wanted to i wanted to do it cool Um, man cool did you so i mean obviously like you said a few minutes ago you are a photographer um do you what what's your plans for like getting all those photos out there like did you just i mean you just said you wanted to photograph the hell out of it is that pretty much what you did like did you get some good shots yeah um pretty much all day day in day out just shooting photos you know of of everything i was trying to uh just show you know daily trail life of this Mm -hmm. trail and show the little details um that you know everybody sees but we don't really may not see the beauty in them Uh, you know i was just looking for really small details and you know photographing plants and um you know trees and um you know not just you know awesome landscapes but I wanted to, you know, show the little tiny details. Yeah, man. Um, that was like one of my main goals. And um, because there's not a whole lot of people on this trail. Um, so it was, I wanted to document it, but I also wanted to show a little bit of the, 
the little tiny beauties you can find on the trail. It doesn't matter what trail you're on, you can find them on almost any trail. But yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a completely uh, different type of trail to photograph, which was really cool because there wasn't a ton of people. So, and that's what I like to incorporate in a lot of my photos is is human interaction with these with these places and. Um, it was literally just me and styles together and yeah you know so um we only saw one other through hiker and he was oh, going oh man that's what yeah. that's actually one of the questions i was going to ask you is how many people yeah. you saw yeah we saw one one northbounder um and that was it um obviously once we got into the whites yeah we saw a lot more people yeah. but um yeah that was the only through hiker we saw the whole time Damn, um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty sweet. So, yeah, um, just wanted to photograph something that nobody has seen before. What um, what I know we talked about cameras and stuff during our last episode, but actually, even since then, I've bought. I think I told you about the one camera I bought, but um, I've bought another one since then. I bought a Canon M50 mirrorless camera, and like I'm trying oh, to yeah. like get better at it, and I'm still not not there but you know i'm working on so this stuff yeah, is, it takes is, <laughs> it's definitely uh interesting to me what uh like what did you take for a camera and a lens and all that stuff um so i took one camera and one lens um i wanted to be as minimal as possible um i almost i had like a uh a crisis about this a couple <laughs> a couple days before i left it's gonna because... be tough for like a photographer because again i don't know too much about it but like I feel like you probably have multiple cameras and like all these options and it's like on a through hike, it's not like you're just going to the park and you could bring a whole backpack full of gear, you know, you got to just exactly, pick, exactly. You know? So I was trying to be, you know, as light as possible because, you know, we were kind of doing this trail relatively quickly. So I didn't want a whole bunch of weight on my, on my back. Of course. Um, and I wanted something that I could just easily pick up, get out of my, get out of my, you know, out of my backpack and just shoot, start shooting photos. So I, I absolutely love shooting 35 millimeter film, which I think I talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking about just bringing just my film camera and shooting only film. Um, but I was looking at the prices and everything, and it was going to be really expensive to do that. Uh, okay. And wasn't a great, um, like, uh, I could have, you know, totally messed up loading a roll of film and, you know, completely wasted a roll. And I could have been, you know, shit out of luck for a really awesome section of trail. And yeah. Photos, which it happens, but, and that's the beauty of it. But, um, so I just ended up deciding to go with my, uh, my Sony a7R, um, with a, uh, 24 to 70 F4 lens on it. Um, just kept it basic with a uh, with a circular polarizer on the on the lens um, to cut down all that glare and good stuff, um, and that worked super well for me. I brought a few extra batteries and you know a recharging block, and that was it. Um, and it worked great. Um, and uh, that's that's basically what I brought for for my camera. Um, how? So this is another another good question. Something I've been wondering about, honestly, uh, I've, I've, I've asked a couple people who are like hikers and photographers this question. How did you carry the camera on trail? Because I found I've done hikes where I'll keep my camera like in my pack or kind of stowed away somewhere. Uh -huh. And like I never 
take it out and take as many pictures as I want to just because yeah. of that mild inconvenience of, of, you know, taking the pack off or whatever. So how do you, have you, have you run into that? And like, how do you like carry the camera while you're actually like yeah, on the so trail hiking? Here's, here's a, uh, here's a little plug for, uh, this new backpack I just got, which was the, uh, the mountain Smith Zerk 40. Um, as you guys, as you probably know, it's, you know, Jabba's and the real hiking Vikings new, pack that he came out with with uh mountain smith cool and this was the first time i'd used this and it has extremely large water bottle pockets um so on oh, one side I kept, yeah i'm looking at it right now so on one side i kept two two half liter or this a little bit smaller than a liter um smart water bottles on one side and then on the other side i just threw my camera in there and it fit perfectly oh, and i could just nice. easily um whip it out whenever I needed to. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that worked perfectly. And then when it did rain on us, I would just put it in a Ziploc bag and put it, you know, deep into the, into the body of the, the pack. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just had to be a little cautious when I took off my pack that I wasn't just throwing it down on the ground. Cause obviously the camera's right there on the outside of the pack. So, and that really wasn't an issue with me. So yeah, that worked amazingly. That was that's the best way I've I've found to carry my camera. How how have you done it on hikes past before you got that pack? So I've had I've had a full chest pack that was a huge cube that I couldn't see my feet. Um, <laughs> I stored two cameras in it, you know, my charging block, all this stuff, um, and that that was just a pain. Um, but there was no other really good option at the time when I was doing the AT. Mm -hmm. um, that was what I found was was best in that situation. And then I've also used um, a fanny pack um, as well. It was kind of a custom made one by a through pack. Um, and I kind of wore that as like a uh, almost like a satchel type deal. Um, and it was <laughs> it was they built it specifically for my camera. So it was it was kind of clunky and in a cubicle um, thing, which that works great. If I'm using more than, uh, two cameras, um, more than two cameras. Wait, <laughs> I mean, more than one camera. Oh, okay. not more I, was than like, two. I mean, Hey, I, I mean, some I, people I are really carried, into the photos like shit. <laughs> I have carried three cameras before, but, um, Damn. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was on like a small little backpacking trip in Colorado. Um, I took like a, my digital, my Sony, my film camera, and then I carried a little point and shoot disposable <laughs> film camera as well. Nice. Um, yeah. So, um, and then I've just used, um, I've used a tiny little uh, mirrorless camera that fits right in your, you know, your chest, chest pocket that can, uh, you know, just a little point and shoot. Um, but I wasn't a big fan of that, but yeah, water bottle pocket is the way to go. Yeah. In that's, my opinion. that's really cool. I'm looking at pictures, like I just said, and that is a pretty big pocket that definitely works well. I, I bought the, um, peak design capture clip for my backpack yeah. and I've only used it twice and I haven't used it with a fully loaded, like, um, overnight pack. I've only used it, uh, for like day hikes so far. But that seems to work like pretty well. My camera is a like a, it's a mirrorless camera, so it's not as big as like a full DSLR. So if the uh -huh. camera was heavier with like a big lens and all that stuff, it might be a little bit uncomfortable and might be flopping around a little bit more. But I gotta say, um, just having that there on the shoulder strap has been pretty damn nice, honestly. I like because kind of going back to how I launched this whole topic here, 
I've taken way more pictures on the two hikes I've used it on than I did on the hikes I, I went on before I had it when I actually had to get it out of my pack. So that's uh, that's definitely pretty awesome for sure. Yeah, that's the most important thing to me is that I can just access it easily. Um, I don't want to have to dig in my pack or like have to worry about unzipping this huge chest pack and like taking it out. And um, yeah, I've also looked into that, that clip before and I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, but I just haven't gotten around to getting one. And I mean, if, if you have the, if you have the huge pocket, yeah, on exactly. the, front of the shoulder strap now, that's pretty sweet. I've actually, I actually haven't heard of this, uh, this brand before. So I'm gonna have to look into it for sure. Um, I kind of want to, kind of want to talk about Kohas trail a little bit, kind of redirect yeah. back to that. Um, yeah. I, I, I could talk about the camera thing all day. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> like get into this now and like, and like learn as much as I can. So I might, I might have some more questions when we're, when we're done recording here, but, um, to get back to the Kohas trail here. Uh, so one thing that I'm always wondering about is resupply. So whenever I research like a small trail like this, resupply is the first like topic that I go and try to find information on. And granted, I haven't dove in like a lot with the Kohas trail because I I'm not like actively plotting to hike it at the moment. But like I have done just like a little bit of like quick googling and like there's not too much information out there. So yeah. how did you handle the resupply? Like how often did you resupply? Were, were there like stores and all that stuff? Like, you, I mean, you're a through hacker, you know, like the, yeah. the details when it comes to that. So how was the, uh, the resupply on the co-host? Yeah, so we did a, so we did one full resupply out of the whole trail. Um, we carried through, we started with three days of food. Um, and then once we got to Dixville notch, um, there's a pretty major road right there that goes into a town, um, that's seven miles away called Colebrook. Okay. Um, and that was extremely hard to hitch at. Um, that was, we were there for almost two hours trying to hitch. Yikes. Yeah. And, um, we finally got a ride from somebody that was like pulled into the parking lot area and was like walking around and like saw us and, they were like stopped about to pull out on this interstate and we're like, Hey, do you mind taking us into town? And they're like, sure. Get in. <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of difficult. Cause I don't think a lot of people up there see backpackers, especially hitchhikers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So once we got into Colebrook, um, it was a very small town. They had a family dollar there and they had everything you could need. Um, all the, you know, super cheap resupply stuff, ramen, chips, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of the time, um, once we got to Jefferson, um, which was another three days away, um, we actually had quite a bit of food still left. So we just kind of uh, hit up some of the hiker boxes and got a few other uh, okay. uh, little snacky snacks. Are but, there some options um, in Jefferson for those who might want to resupply there? Uh, yeah, there is a uh, there is a really big like. Uh, convenient not a convenience store but like a really big uh like gas station but it also has a deli in it and like you know it's got a a good good uh a good amount of resupply options for you know it's a big big gas station that has a nice deli is that the old corner store um no i'm I'm looking on google maps right now (laughs) yeah so that one that one's like two days in um we stopped there to get like some snacks and grab a beer and that's other place you can resupply. Um, 
but that was only like a day and a half in for us. Um, so that, that didn't really work. But yeah, I've heard a lot of people resupply there, um, especially if you're going northbound. Um, that would be a, a solid place to resupply. Sounds like that's like the first place out of the whites, or lo- looks like yeah. it, just from what I'm searching on. Yeah, yeah. and then um, at Dixville Notch, we just were hoping that we can get a ride into Colebrook and get into there and uh we actually got out of Colebrook fairly easy yeah um, how did how did that work like getting a ride back <laughs> after all the um, trouble we stopped we just hung out at a uh, four-way stop and would just walk to people's cars and be like hey <laughs> can you give us a ride to Dix- Dixville Notch and uh the first dude that we saw uh was this older gentleman and he was like yeah I'll get it and then we dude, jumped in I on the back that. of his pickup truck and uh he was one of those deep wood new hampshire guys that yeah. you could barely understand what he was saying and uh <laughs> when he dropped us off he got out of the car he had like three empty uh budweiser's and he was oh, finishing geez. off his fourth <laughs> and uh so he was nice and uh had a nice little buzz going on yeah he was uh he was flooring it through those mountain roads which Dude, was which was real fun <laughs> there's so uh, i've heard so many stories like of, of shit like that which we laugh at but it's actually kind of fucked like don't be driving it's kind of sketchy yeah exactly <laughs> um exactly I, I love how you just like were straight up asking people though like um <laughs> i did that i did that once on my at through hike i felt I, I don't know how you how you felt about it but personally i felt like kind of like a dick like i, I was already at a gas station and like i, I probably should have tried to hitchhike harder but it was just like scorching hot like virginia in the middle of the yeah. summer and i didn't really feel like standing out there in the freaking sun so like I literally just like went up to a gas station and felt literally felt like a homeless person, felt like a fucking like <laughs> bum, like begging for a ride. And yeah. I was just like, Hey, like I'm trying to get to this hotel, like a couple miles down the street. And the first person was like, Oh, we're not going that way. And I was like, okay. And I felt really bad. Like, Oh my God, this pe- these people literally think I'm just like a beggar here. And then the second person I asked, they're like, yeah, sure. Like we can bring you over there. You're a through hiker. I was like, yep. Found my fucking ride. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know. Hitchhiking is, uh, I see where can, people can feel like almost dirty doing it. Well, such, I just like, want, I want to make it, I want to make the distinction. I'm not talking about like hitchhiking. I mean, like literally like going up to people oh, up to and people like asking, asking, like soliciting a ride that way. Cause like hitchhiking, I got no shame about that. You know, they can, fucking, yeah, yeah. they can drive by if they want to, or they can like pretend to pull over and then drive off and like fuck with me. Yeah, that happened or the best thing too. is when they like throw their hands up when you're like hitchhiking. Like, oh, like, sorry. I, like I would pick you up, but yeah, I can't. Like, what does that even mean? It's like bullshit. Like you don't have to. Don't even acknowledge me. Like, just keep driving. Like, you've got a, you have an empty car. Like, get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, asking people, it just depends. It's all, you know, depends on where you're at. Um, I always try to be super polite about it oh, and, yeah. like, tell, tell them what I'm doing. And, like, if they say no, they're going to – that's the worst they're going to say is, like, no. Um and it's also like, yeah, and when you're in a pinch like that, especially like I, I don't think that most hikers would do it if they didn't absolutely have to, right? I mean, because you guys obviously had the trouble getting into town, so that kind of. No, we tried to hitch for um, a little bit, trying to come out of town, and nobody was picking us up. So we walked like a quarter block, like a quarter block down to where there was like a stop sign, and there was a lot of traffic right through there, and um, we just stood there and we we're like. The first guy, we're like, hey, are you going that way by any chance? Like, can you take us to Dixville Notch? And he was like, sure. 
get on in. I was like, sweet. And uh, score. Yeah. So it just depends. Um, do many hikers, do many hikers go into Colebrook like that? Or cause I, I, I don't, do... I don't think so. So yeah. Cause that, that I guess if people did, then yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a 20 minute drive into town. So, I mean, it's, it's a longer hitch um, for sure. And, Nobody even talks about going into Colebrook. I just saw it on the map and I was like, ah, shit, <laughs> give it a try. I don't want to carry. Yeah. It was either carrying three days or six days worth of food to Jefferson. And really? Like, there's, there's no resupply before Jefferson. It's kind of weird. You can, you could resupply at that there. Yeah. Like for Southbound, it's kind of weird because like the, there's that, there's that, uh, young store, which is like a day and a half in, um, which is kind of weird. Like, why are you going to start with a day and a half for food? And then like, that doesn't make sense. Um, and then, yeah, after that is like Jefferson. And I mean, there's like, uh, some hotels you can go to where you can have packages mailed uh, to. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of like doing the, the mail your own resupply. Cause I don't want to have to worry about logistics and getting there at a certain time to make sure I can pick it up and all this stuff so um that was what worked best for me um it's kind of untraditional but do you think that you might do it a little bit differently if you had to give it another go um honestly probably not um it's kind of a hard hitch because not a lot of people are driving down that road um but you'll eventually get a ride yeah Um, yeah and um I mean, it's got good. It has you know great restaurants there where you can know you can get a beer and you know hang out and do what you need to do. But um, yeah, that seemed perfect for me because you know three days worth of food, your pack's pretty light and yeah, you know, it's not overbearing. And honestly, I didn't even have hiker hunger the entire time, and I was like forcing myself to down food, um, you know, at night, and because uh, that was like the last thing I wanted to do, you know, is buggy and it's super hot and the last thing i wanted to do was cook up hot ramen and eat that yeah so, um, makes sense yeah but uh yeah i don't think i would change it um it was just i figured it was gonna be it was gonna be hard to get a hitch and it was but <laughs> that's all right you guys you guys made it work yeah I, exactly i kind of want to go back to what you just said about it being like hot and buggy and stuff what like what were the conditions like was that were those two like themes like pretty much true the entire time you were going like, um, i know i know it didn't really rain that much but i don't know like yeah like how were the conditions on the cohost trail so honestly the first like three days the first four days was amazing after we had that really bad rainstorm um after that it was it was gorgeous like we had mid 70s at during the day and then it would get down to like 50s at night so it was just perfect for sleeping yeah yeah it was it was great um honestly it wasn't there was a few days where we had where it got pretty warm um especially like on the days where we had to do like long sections of road walk because you're just super exposed on a you know dirt road um and there was quite a bit of bugs you know right like right in july is like mosquito and black fly season so um there were some sections where the mosquitoes were unreal i've never seen so many mosquitoes in my life and uh at one point we literally had to run run 
you know, away from them and like just start <laughs> running because that was the only way to get away from not getting, you know, eaten alive. Um, and then also I heard that ticks were really bad, but I only saw one tick crawling on me the whole time and we were doing a lot of bushwhacking and I was like pretty, I was pretty worried about that aspect of, you know, New England is notorious for having ticks and Lyme disease and um, everything like that. Um, so I, I sprayed all my gear with permethrin and all my clothes with permethrin and I didn't see a single tick. I saw, I saw, I saw one tick crawling on my, on my sock and that was it. Um, and then hopefully it died because of the permethrin. So yeah, exactly. That that shit works pretty well, honestly, or from my experience anyways, I'll, I'll say I've never had a tick bite me or seen a tick crawling on my clothes or anything like that. Um, when I had my shit actually, treated with permethrin so i don't know people get a little bit sketched out because of, like the whole chemical thing but for my understanding yeah. for my very non-scientific understanding i think it works pretty damn well it's pretty effective that's that's what they say anyways so i don't know yeah and that seemed that seemed definitely to work for me so um it's either spray your stuff with chemicals or get Lyme's disease. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty <laughs> pretty easy choice to make there. Like so. Which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, and for, for sure. I, I like it too because, I mean, I, I use DEET when necessary as well. But, like, I always feel so grimy just, like, rubbing freaking DEET on my skin. And, like, yeah. just the fact that the permethrin's actually in, like, the the fabric of the clothing. And, like, you don't really – it smells a little bit, like, for a day or two after you, like, treat it or whatever. But – like it's definitely a lot. I feel like it's better for like your or it feels better for your skin, anyways. Than yeah, actually it's not spraying just sitting the right on your skin and like exactly, absorbing yeah. into your skin. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that definitely helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. Besides the bugs, we had great weather. Um, we had great weather going over the presidential traverse. Um, it was it was That's key. it was great. Yeah. I kind of want to. I kind of want to talk a little bit about like the scenery. I guess is like the right kind of the right term. So I'm, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this are pretty familiar with the whites. I've covered the whites like pretty extensively lately, uh, mostly yeah. with Philip Karsha's story. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. I I do wonder about the trail kind of north of the whites. So this is a question that I I asked Alton a little bit as well. But um. Yeah, like how obviously you don't have like the huge, huge like above tree line, like presidential kind of stuff. But um, how was that like the scenery and the terrain north of the whites? And like you're still like going over some mountains and, and stuff yeah. like that, right? Um, yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised. It was it was a lot of walking along shorelines of like lakes um, and a lot of you know just rolling up and downs which was which was great you know it was a nice little warm-up before we got into you know the kilkenny and uh the whites mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was really really cool um dixville notch is one of the four major mountain passes in new hampshire with franconia notch and then crawford notch and um i forget pinkham notch that's the other one and pinkham notch yeah pinkham notch um it was it was really cool. Um, there was a, a place called uh, Table Rock, which was insane. It was just like this tiny little, uh, tiny little, uh, like it was only about twelve foot wide, just huge rock. 
uh, <laughs> walkway basically that oh, just was cool. like super exposed and looked over the the whole valley which was sweet um yeah there was a lot of like little hidden gems the the shelters um yes i was gonna ask about that yeah the shelters were amazing um super clean um most of them were at really cool like uh views or they were right by really cool views oh that gets me stoked i freaking love camping yeah. like the views and stuff like that yeah it was sweet um we stayed at two shelters um along the way um the first one we stayed at was kind of a basic shelter it was kind of in the woods right off right by a lake but um it was you know kind of kind of way off but mm -hmm. um the campsites we we stayed at were sweet um we stealth camped right on the shore of uh, lake francis which was like a nice sandy beach and we had this we had this whole shoreline to ourselves that day we just swam and just hung out and um yeah it was it was awesome oh that's so cool so i i kind of wanted to to ask you about the uh the campsites and shelters and stuff like i just said so i don't know for some reason like trails with like shelters and like designated campsites kind of fascinate me for some reason because like even you, you got these trails like the Coast trail which is seldom traveled and sounds like it might not be as maintained as frequently maintained yeah. um a, uh, as other trails and again that's that's not to that's not a bad thing obviously there's finite resources for these trails i'm not i'm not trying to complain about that just to be clear yeah. but um even like these these trails like this like still have like shelters and stuff. And another example of this is the uh, Monadnock to Sunapee Greenway Trail in southern New Hampshire. Again, it's like a pretty small trail. It might be a little bit more popular than the Coast Trail, but it's like still got like a bunch of shelters throughout the whole length. So I guess to start off here, like how many actual like shelters on, and let's just say just on like the Cohos like trail uh like proper section you know not not necessarily the white mountain section like how many shelters were there that you guys passed um so there was i want to say about i want to say about six so like there's there's enough that you could like hike shelter to shelter pretty much yeah 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 um that's cool that's cool yeah yeah it's it's really sweet um and then the campsites um were pretty awesome there was especially one at a in the kilkenny it's at unknown unknown pond tent sites it's just this really beautiful uh uh pond basically um with a bunch of tent sites around it and it's just gorgeous um yeah it was i was really surprised on you know for being like a volunteer based trail basically where they get all their maintain like maintenance and stuff from volunteers there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of shelters that were built extremely well. I've seen some of the pictures on because I'm in that Facebook group too, and like they look pretty damn sweet. Like I'm not gonna lie, like especially yeah for and like this is why I think it's fascinating because this trail is like so small and so unknown. It's like there's still these like awesome campsites and, and structures and all this stuff. I I just think that's so interesting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super cool. Um, yeah, and then like in the northern section, you walk right by um, and you walk through a lot of actual campgrounds um, where there's two specifically. There's a Deer Mountain campground and then there's, um, I think, Coleman campground. Um, 
and those are more in like the northern section and you can pay to camp there if you want um but we didn't we it didn't work for you know our mileage and everything um plus we didn't want to pay thirty dollars to just tent camp like you are gonna do the rest of the trail yeah <laughs> exactly exactly so um yeah i was really surprised with with how unknown this trail was and just how beautiful it was you know every day we saw consistent like really cool shit you know every day there was something really cool that we hit that was just like the highlight of the day um which was which was sweet i can't wait to see your uh your photos and all that stuff yeah yeah i just got done editing them editing them all and i'm like overwhelmed about you know where to even go about posting these or what i want to do with them yeah Um, (laughs) that's cool man yeah yeah i got a couple more questions here and then we're gonna kind of start to wrap it up a little bit so before you had mentioned there's no gut hook there's no you know gps any of that stuff um Uh what like map and or guidebook exists like are there first of all is there even more than one i feel like there's probably not so there's there's one there's one map that the uh, co-host trail association puts out um it's super super helpful um i use that and then there's also a data book there's two of them there's one for northbound and then there's one for southbound are they put out by the same organization yeah it's put out put out by the by also the co-host trail association um which is like a a step-by-step how to navigate this trail um which is it's kind of confusing how to follow because the how they list out the mileage is is very very weird um i didn't use it that much but i had it as a backup yeah um uh it definitely helped in those situations where we got turned around um and uh yeah so i just used the paper map for the most time and then once we got into the presidentials and the kilkenny there is gut hooks for that yeah um, true so i just switched on gut hooks when we got on to, to the kilkenny and through the and during the presidential traverse but yeah it was it was really cool just using you know maps and um you know kind of doing it the old-fashioned way which was kind of like this lost beauty behind it because <laughs> i i really didn't want to be on my phone at all during this hike like whether it be listening to music or you know just you know i didn't want to have to be constantly looking at it so my phone was honestly like in my in my backpack the whole most of the time yeah Um, nice nice yeah so that's that's one thing i really liked about this trail it was it really felt like you were in the middle of nowhere you i never had cell reception i was gonna say i I highly doubt there's even in like northern vermont like up in that area even on like the roads and in the towns there's like barely cell service so yeah and i have sprint which is just the, the, word, the, <laughs> we, the we worst. talked about this last time yeah. i remember now <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst for signal anywhere um let alone in northern new hampshire where <laughs> yeah barely anybody lives in the first place nobody has a sprint or t or t-mobile up here dude everyone's got like verizon or at&t pretty yeah, much and yeah. i've noticed that it's like a or at least like a vermont and new hampshire thing i feel like i don't know <laughs> northern, yeah definitely northeast definitely um my last uh, question before we get into the story time here is so this might this might be a little bit tough but if you had to pick just overall and let's let's exclude the presidential range too yeah. um what would you say your favorite just like spot 
in general on the Kohas Trail was? Um, probably uh, Percy Peaks. Percy um, Peaks. Okay. There's North Percy and South Percy. We went up, so you don't necessarily go over them <laughs> on the trail, but you hit a blue blaze where you can take a little sh- short spur trail up to the summit of North Percy. Okay. And North Percy is a gorgeous, gorgeous mountain. Um, I think it's just a little bit below 4,000 feet. Um, yeah, and it's just, it gets super exposed and you walk, it's almost like going up a bald plate, I think it is, in Maine. Oh, where there's like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a very, you know, just like sloped rock face that you're oh, walking that's up. sick. Once you get out of tree line, yeah, it was awesome. And we got up there right around like just as the sun had rose, so it was it was still bright and really really nice lights. I bet you got some awesome pictures of that, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a really cool spot. And then of course Dixville Notch is a beautiful area. There's like a mini flume there where there's like a huge waterfall and like really really good swimming areas. Um, especially a, a place called the devil's jacuzzi that we found oh um, shit <laughs> that sounds pretty gnarly it was sweet it was literally like a natural hot tub with all these like waterfalls going into it that had like natural shelving in it that you could like sit in and the waterfalls will just like come down over your shoulders and it was it was super nice to devil's s- to cool jacuzzi off. i gotta go yeah. this shit yeah. Dude, you're getting me stoked on this trail, man. Damn. Yeah, you're right there in Vermont, aren't you? You're, uh, you're not I'm far really from close, it. yeah. Dude, I'm like, I highly, I highly recommend hiking this trail. Dude, I might have to. I'm like torn. I'm torn. There's like so many like little trails in New England that I want to hit yeah. before I leave here, whenever that's going to be uh, within the yeah. next couple of years. So like, shit, I don't know. There's, <laughs> It's on my list for sure. It has been for a while. A buddy and I like briefly considered doing it uh, a couple of years ago, but we ended up, I don't even remember what happened. So I think we went and hiked the, or tried to hike the North Philoplast trail or something else. I can't quite remember, but yeah, dude, I'm definitely going to get to it at some point. Um, let's, uh, let's do some stories or a story or whatever you got. What do you say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So do you have a story actually from the Kohas trail? Or are you going to kind of dip into the archives of, of Aaron's no. hiking? I'll I'll tell a story from the Coas Trail. Cool, cool. Um, so with this trail being heavily, uh, like not barely used, um, there's a lot of wildlife out there. Um, pretty much every day, all day, we saw a ton of moose prints, moose droppings um, <clears throat> throughout the trail. Um, and on our first day we were walking through this like kind of logged area. There's, you walk through a few spots that have been like really heavily logged um, and that are clear cut mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> walking through this section and literally, I want to say like 20 feet in front of us, this like younger male moose just runs, <laughs> runs right in front of us. And this was like the really the first time I had ever seen a moose on trail. The only other time I'd seen a moose while hiking was when I finished my AT hike. And I was sitting on Main Street in Millinocket in the middle of the night. And there was a full-on moose that just ran down the middle <laughs> middle of the road. Classic Maine right there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really cool. And then the next day, we were walking down this logging road. Um, are actually a four-wheel drive road. Um, 
and we were just walking along and I was looking down at my feet and I looked up and 20 yards in front of us was, was just a black bear chilling on the road. <laughs> oh, eating some berries. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we saw quite a lot of, uh, of wildlife when, like I was saying, we camped on the shoreline of, uh, Lake Francis and that night the trail was like pretty much right behind us and it was a huge snowmobile corridor. Um, and you know, animals use them as like highways basically through the woods. So we were hanging out at, looking at the lake, you know, it was pretty late at night and uh, we heard this moose walking right behind us, like 10 feet behind us. <laughs> you could just feel it. The ground was like shaking. And then like, was it sketchy or was it just like so cool that like you didn't care? It was, it was pretty cool. Uh, like in between where the shoreline was and the trail, there was a good amount of uh, trees to, that were like kind of blocking us off okay, so it really okay. couldn't it really couldn't get to us but like 20 20 feet down the down the shoreline you could hear it go into the water and oh. it was it was it was like hanging out in the pond for a little bit so that was pretty cool dude i've heard the same thing from other people that have hiked this trail like they say there's a ton of wildlife um sounds like pretty much everybody sees a moose at some point on this trail so that yeah is, that is super badass it was just uh yeah, it was it was really cool just not seeing anybody on a long on like a longer distance hiking trail. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool, man. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna kind of wrap it up there. Like, dude, thank you so Sweet. much for taking the time. Yeah, like you're twice. So first of all, like that's freaking <laughs> awesome. You know, I'm so glad I got to learn a little bit more about this trail. Problem with these doing these episodes where I like learn about new trails is every time at the end I'm always like, oh, I have to go do this trail. And then, I, like, I go do a bunch of research, and then by the time I, like, actually get around to, like, trying to make plans, I've, like, started to research another trail. Like, I just can't make my mind up. Like, I'm actually, like, so thankful that I've been able to learn about all these trails from this podcast. So, yeah, that, that sounds... Yeah, that would be sweet, dude. <laughs> that sounds so awesome, dude. I, I'm definitely going to do this trail. Like I said, it's been on my radar for a number of years, but I just never really, like, dove that much into the research and, and all that stuff so this was this was awesome to hear for sure yeah and uh i i would i would almost do that this trail again um i would like to do that full loop including the long trail in cohos trail connected with the at you know back down to the long trail that would be something that would be super sweet yeah dude i gotta learn more about that as well that sounds awesome yeah yeah definitely Cool, man. Um, where can people go to follow you and check out some of these awesome photos that you're going to be, uh, you're going to be putting out there pretty soon from your hike? Yeah. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's a uh, at I B It's I B E Y like my last name and then P R O F I M. Um, you can follow me there. That's where I do a lot of, uh, a lot of my activity on social media. Um, that and then you can follow me on facebook it's just my name aaron ivy um yeah that's where you can follow me cool man i'll have a link to that stuff in the show notes as always and i think that's gonna kind of wrap it up here aaron thank you again so much and everybody listening thanks for tuning in have a good one yeah thank you man Mm -hmm.